live at the Golden Circle Sports Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Yeah, all right, here we go. Fun, 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 fun. Stanford Routes with us. Mark McMillan's coming up in about 15 minutes, former Eagle. Uh, I don't even know if I address Mark anymore as a football player because he's going to be on Gordon Ramsay's show, Next Level Chef, that starts. He's already on it. They taped it. But uh, he's going to be on right after the Super Bowl. So he, t- he told me, he's like, I had to hire a PR person. He's like, I'm getting so many requests. So he's coming up in a couple of minutes. This is a big, really? big, big NFL weekend. Wow. We got – the Pro Bowl party, I know Stanford Route's going to that. Warren Moon, Charles Woodson, Shannon Sharp over at Resorts World. we got the Pro Bowl games continuing. Just got uh, done with the East-West Shrine game. And talk show host Stanford Route here, uh, is here with us, getting all fired up. I was like, you got to stay for five more minutes because you <laughs> threw something out there. Um, John, you didn't answer when Stanford like, kind of started to roll out a topic about best, best team ever in NFL history. You didn't grow up around Summerall and Madden. No. Did you, when they did the, the Madden remembrances and documentaries, did you watch any of those? No. Like, for me, and that's not a slight against me, John Madden to me is a couple of things, right? I know who he was, and I've watched NFL films. But, like, as somebody who grew up when I did, he is the guy who the football games are named after. The video game. Right? Uh-huh. Like, I and, figured that. And yeah. the guy who was impersonated on the SNL popcorn machine. Like, right. you know what I mean? Now you get right. the popcorn of it, right? Like, right. But I knew who he was, but that I had to learn who he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah through watching older things as opposed to, oh, like, he's just a famous football guy. Like, right? That's why they named <laughs> yeah. the game after him. When, uh, when I watched that stuff, I got a – it kind of reignited my uh, appreciation yes, of John Madden. Too. He was really good. And he – we were talking about Romo was, like, this big change five years ago. Madden really was so far exactly, above everyone. Yes. He was such a character, and players loved him, and he had good information. So uh, I agree with you. That's one of the best teams ever. But we got to close on this because we – started getting into this whole era comparison, and then you guys started down the path with the NBA, right? Because while we think – like, I believe there's a, there's a bunch of quarterbacks now, like probably the top 25 quarterbacks in the league, could go back into the 60s and maybe into the 70s, and you'd look at them now and you'd be like, that's one of the greatest guys of all time. It's just yes. so advanced at quarterback. I, I watch games from the 70s and even into the 80s and the accuracy of the quarterbacks. They're, they're not – I mean, they're just not good – as the guys now. I mean, yeah, you, you had compa- guys complete no 53%. You would not sniff the field now. And I know there's a lot of dump-off passes, and that builds up the numbers, but the passes that guys throw now in the accuracy. 60% or above now. Right. You know, Terry Bradshaw's highlights are Lynn Swan bailing him out over and over yep. again. Yeah. A lot of high-point balls. <laughs> right. Right? Just <laughs> throwing up for grabs. Um, but I'm not here to bash Terry Bradshaw. We do that just about every week. Um, I, I just wanted to mention for a couple minutes the NBA and where the NBA is now and where it was even, like, not that long ago, 30, 30 years ago, 25 years ago. Yeah, it, it definitely has changed. It's now all about the spacing. It's now all about the three ball. It's now all about the high screen and roll and then try to go ahead, dribble, penetrate to the basket, find somebody on the open wing or in the corner pocket. And because of that, there's no more hand checking. So defense is not highly regarded as much as it once was. It's just a completely different game. And, Steph Curry, you owe it all to him because Steph Curry looks like the type of guy that you'd see at the rec center, the YMCA. 
That's he looks like that. He's about six three. He's kind of wiry. He just looks like the guy that just got off work. I'm about to go over there to the Y and you know shoot a couple threes. And he's now showing that you don't have to be the transformer, looking like LeBron James, looking like a Dwight Howard. You don't have to be that to be successful in the NBA. All you got to do is be able to shoot, have good spacing, have some ball handling skills, obviously. But Steph Curry has now allowed the league to be more widespread when it comes to being skilled, not just being heavily talented. Hmm. Okay, I got a I got a couple of counters here. <laughs> well, first of all, I, I on the defense part, what do you think of defense today? Because the league this year has had some crazy high-scoring games and some guys who haven't scored 23 a game or scoring 23 a game. Is defense down now? I don't think it's down. I think pace is up. I think it's hard to play. As Stanford said, it's hard to play defense. Now it's all the, about help. Right. The court, the court is all spread out, and it did. It's about help defense. It's about bringing defenders, right. mismatch hunting. Like, okay. it's harder to play defense. Because I, I think one of the great lies is that they play no defense now. Correct. And that the defense in the 80s was better. Now I'm going to start with before about 89, because that's when the Pistons started to emerge and, frankly, oh, ruined yeah. the game for about 10 years because we just had brawl ball, and then the Heat and the Knicks came around and even the Pacers, and they just beat the crap out of oh, each other. I remember other. those that, games. That actually sucked. But I grew up in the 80s, and I watched games, and now I have the luxury of going back and watching games. And I think people believe the 80s were like this intense defensive time because they see hard plays and knockdowns. You know, they, they see freaking clotheslines. Like, those were isolated. <laughs> there was a lot of Olay play when guys got down the lane and made one move. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in this. I, just, I hear all the time, like, oh, the 80s, they, they play defense. I'm like, I don't know, man. I watch a lot of games, fast breaks, and no one's being touched. And just because you remember the six highlights, you know, where Kurt Rambis is colliding with someone and getting flipped over. <laughs> yep. I, I, Am I wrong? I, I think when you look back and you see the guys like Charles Oakley, when you see the guys like Dennis Rodman, you see Dale Davis, you see the Bill Lambeers, you see those types of guys. And right now in today's NBA, who's the toughest guy in the NBA? What? Draymond Green? Yeah. Some, I mean, somebody yeah, like that. So, there, yeah. so it's just not highly emphasized right. as much well, as it was I, back in the 80s. I think it's 90s. like hockey. The skilled, the skilled players have to be on the ice in hockey. The enforcers yes. don't really have a role anymore. Yeah, exactly. And while I, like, I love you know, guys like Dale Davis and, and Oak and you know, these, these 6'11", 250 guys, I don't think they could play today. Oh, no, because it's all about shooting. You, and just, you just drag them outside and go, go ahead, defend. Right. Go ahead, switch. Good luck. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead and hit someone. You're 30 feet from the basket, moron. And, and that's where... Because you see Dennis Rodman, he, he couldn't shoot in the 90s. We all know that. But in now in today's game, you got to be able to shoot. you got to be able to pass. Now, Draymond Green, he's such a an interesting component to the Golden State Warriors yeah. because he still is not a great shooter, but Draymond Green is a playmaker. Yeah. He's, the, he's, he's, in my opinion, he's the straw that stirs the drink. He's effectively their point he, guard. He, exactly. He, 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 could know, play, he could play in any era. He, I'm he, not going to take that away exactly. from Exactly. Like he knows how to get the pace going. He knows how to go ahead, drive, dribble, kick out. Go ahead. Okay, I see Steph has got somebody guarding him that, that shouldn't be out there. Let me go pass the ball to Steph, and then I'll go ahead and set this screen real yep. quick. He'll go ahead, come up off my behind, and shoot this three-pointer, get us back in the game, get the crowd roaring. So I think that even in the NFL – because you have all of the spacing, the RPOs, all of that, you don't see teams running a lot of man coverage much anymore. You see some teams, but you don't really see a heavy amount of it. And I'm saying, like, even for me, being around college ball now or even being in high school, like, 
you don't see that. You see more zone-based defenses because of the RPOs, because of these quarterbacks with the bubble screens, the quick slant, all of that. So I think that when you go ahead and you matriculate that over to the NBA, it's the same dynamic. And because now it's all about shooting, these guys are uber skilled in the NBA right now. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. And because of that, that's why I think that you have more of the help defense. You have more of the zone defense. It's now more based on, okay, as soon as my guy uh, penetrates, you're going to have somebody go ahead and try to help rather than the glove, you know, Gary Payton, those guys that the best on-ball defenders, you don't really see that as much anymore these days. So what I find really fascinating about this whole conversation, right, bringing you back to, to football, is the RPO, it's not, it's not exactly what the three-point shot did to basketball. But it's similar, right? Oh, it no is, doubt it is, about it. It is a new thing that was brought to football that changed it and opened this whole thing up for offense, yes. right? And I've made the case more Stanford. I think football nowadays is more like basketball than it's ever been. How yes. often are we seeing these teams come back, right? We just saw it a so couple many, of weeks ago. Uh, yes, so it many. happens all the time now. And, but what's interesting to me is you don't get this complaint from football fans, right? You don't get that. <laughs> they want to see get, high score. Right. You get the complaints of, oh, today's day and age, the NBA stinks. Well, Wait, in the NFL, scoring's up. It's, it's a, harder to hold on to leads than it ever has oh been. Oh, my goodness, ever so Ever before. It's, 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 so people, exactly it's so ridiculous, the same man. thing. People just lie about history. I was doing sports <laughs> talk. No, I mean, it's like they were here, and then they just make up what was going on 20 years later. I was here watching the NBA from 89 to whatever, 97, and I remember defending the NBA about the style of play because people said it sucked. There's no skill now. So then they go to more skill and FIBA basketball, and now people are pissed off, and they're like, oh, it was rougher. But you didn't like it, it back then. I can, you complained. I was on radio, and I took <laughs> calls, Stanford. I can tell you from a defensive back standpoint, a defensive-minded coach, just a defensive-minded human being, from basketball to football, I hate the RPO because it makes you wrong no matter what right. decision you make. And then when you go to basketball, like, a guy can shoot a three-pointer, and – it's very difficult for you to contest it because guess what? You got to give him room to land, yep. and if he and if he lands on your foot, it's now what a flagrant one or flagrant two or you know whatever the heck it is. So they make it so hard to actually defend and do your job well because it's geared towards the offense. We want to see points up on the board. You don't want to see games that the final score is nine to seven. You don't want to see games where the final score is. 82 to 79, like those old school Indian, Indian, yeah, Indiana right. Pacers, yeah. New York Knicks days. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we do. No, you so don't. So, like, yeah, so it's, it's geared towards the offense, and that's the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future. So, that's why, to me, you're not seeing defense being emphasized as much in both sports. That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> you got to get, it's got to be believe in Raiders and other stuff. Yes. You got to, that was great. Well, have a good time while you're here. Appreciate and you And we guys, appreciate man. you making the sacrifice yes, to uh, come no down the strip. That was awesome. Stanford route. We appreciate <laughs> it. Mark and Villain's coming up later on. We're going to do uh, another XFL combo, get into a little bit of UNLV with former uh, Rebel lineman uh, Clayton Bradley will be up with us. I think it's going to be Mark McMillan. Watch, he has the ball. Now watch McMillan, number 29. He did. He went in there, stripped it out. Former NFL cornerback and ESPN Las Vegas NFL insider Mark McMillan is live on Cofield and Company now. That was good timing. I forgot the uh, McMillan rejoin that the Vast Sound crew headed up by Ari had put together. We were just talking about John Madden. Every time I hear that, I'm like, why are we playing Caliendo? 
that's that's an account <laughs> I had to mute. John Von Tobel, Cofield, wrapping up the week, getting ready for a big weekend here in town. Pro Bowl games are in Las Vegas. Next week is the big game. You know what? Screw the big game. And the biggest game after. Yes. There it is. There it is. We bring in chefing insider, culinary insider. There you go. Football to the side. Mark McMillan is with us. What's up, Mark? Uh-oh. Oh, no. Is he giving us a silent treatment? Did we not get the go-ahead? We got scrambling back. It happens that. sometimes. The phone goes silent. You hit a dead spot. It happens. It's all right. Uh, next level, Chef Ramsey. You oh. said you've been watching a lot of Ramsey now? Oh, Kitchen Nightmares. Is that right? Uh, well, right let's, let's, get, let's get into it. Mark, what's up, buddy? Oh, what's going on, man? Sorry I had you guys on mute, man. I was, uh, my dog was uh, in the background trying to get my meat off the grill, so I had to hustle out there, man, and flip the steak. Oh, what a nightmare. What would you do if your dog, I mean, some, some good food just ripped it off the grill? That, that's that's flip-out time. <laughs> it's happened before, but, you know, we love our pets, man, so I don't want PETA to come over here and take me out and Okay, is this, is this a PETA violation? Um, we just got a kitten. We're trying to train it to not jump on the kitchen counters, and I have a little spray bottle. I spray water on the cat. Is that too much? No, no, that's fine. We actually do that with our dog. You know, okay. he's in a, he's in that puppy chewing stage. So, you know, when he tries to bite and chew, you just deter him with a little spritzer in the face. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Now, what I, I actually need to install a sprinkler system in my house because all I hear from the other room is the cat just destroying one of my couches, Whoa. and I got. I got nothing. I can't do anything about it. It's just going to be shredded to pieces, Mark. Shredded. Oh, but you might need to get rid of that cat, man, because uh, nah. if somebody's got to go. Either yeah, the, you got to go or the cat's got to go. It's and I more, think you're going to go because of the mortgage. Yeah, you nailed it. It's more, it's, uh, it's more likely me. I'll be sleeping in the garage. So <laughs> she ain't getting rid of the cats, I can tell you that. Uh, all right, so <laughs> let's recap another week of just lunacy for you. What have you done man. this last week because of the TV show, because of the Ramsey show coming up? Oh, man, it's, it's been amazing. Uh, I had a PR. I had to hire a PR, Joe Lynn, uh, who's handling all my business. Every day next week I'll be booked up doing events, doing autograph signings. Uh, got booked up by the Eagles uh, fan club that's coming in, uh, I think, Thursday. So meet Eric Allen and Byron Evans. We're going to be doing an autograph signing there. I'll be doing a kick, cooking demo uh, during Super Bowl week as well. I'll be on Radio Row with you guys. Uh, so it's a lot of stuff going on, man, and I'm just excited to be a part of. And like I said, Next Level Chef Season 2, man, it is ramping up. Uh, you know, I just signed another partnership deal with uh, uh, Bear Mountain Barbecue. Uh, Grilla Grills is my grill sponsor. So, man, it's picking up, man. It's a lot of stuff to handle, but my PR, she's amazing, man. She's getting it done. Wait, so when I walk by you at UNLV Games now, am I still allowed to shake your hand, or do I have to get that cleared with somebody? You have to text the PR person. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to shake hands with Mark for the next two minutes. Is he open? No, no man, we're, we're still good, man. We can share some jelly beans, some popcorn together, you know, that, that soda. That I don't know what kind of pregame. Sometimes the pregame meal is pretty good, but, man, we're still cool, man. Steve got me on speed dial, man. We're always good, man. That's my guy. Mark McMillan, the former Eagle, the former Chief. We'll get into the Super Bowl a lot more next weekend. I wanted to talk about some of the local stuff right now. Um, I don't think you got a chance to make it over to uh, any of the Shrine Bowl activities, but – um, just mention what that game means, and I know you did have some players that you coached in the past who were playing in some of these all-star games. Yeah, it, it, it's a lot. Of, you know, like I said, with everything going on, I couldn't make it out there, man. I apologize to all the players and the staff. 
from the pictures and the videos, they look like they're doing an amazing job, uh, especially with the kids, man. It was pretty cool to see the players interact with the kids, uh, you know, because that's what it's all about, man. Uh, it, it's a game between the lines, but being able to see those players, uh, it kind of just makes you realize that life is really short and, you know, how, how special this game is to actually play. Uh, you see DTR out there, you know, pretty much the headline. You know, he's the local guy, the Gorman guy, uh, UCLA all-timer. Um, you know, seeing him get out there and perform well, um, it's good to see these guys uh, get after it and uh, have an opportunity to play on Sunday. Mark, what, what was it like for you? You were a late-round pick, right? Were you like a 10th round or something like that? Yeah, there, there was no there was no uh, all-star game invite for me. Uh, Coach Stallings made uh, – I wasn't always Coach Stallings' favorite, and he made sure that I stayed humble. So he told all the uh, the combines and the all-star games, uh, the Senior Bowl, which was it, which is in Mobile, right. he told them not to pick me because, you know, I had some things to work on. So I'm like – you know, so I didn't get invited to anything – Obviously, I got drafted when, when everybody was already uh, returning their gold, gold jewelry and their suits back to the owners. Mark McGrillan's with us. Um, on the All-Star Games and games like the Shrine Bowl, what would you tell prospective safeties and cornerback uh, you know, as a piece of advice? I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. Like One of the guys I talked to actually went to Rutgers where I went to school, Christian Izian, and he played the game. Yep. And he's a cornerback. And he, he, man, he's a stocky guy. He's like 5'11", probably 218. Yep. Uh, Nehemiah Shelton played in the game. He had an interception. I was there watching that, and you know he's more like you know six one, one eighty. What do you tell the different guys? Like, what's the most important thing to try to get your way into the league, especially if you're a cornerback? Um, you just got to stay humble, keep working. Um, obviously, you know, cornerbacks is a uh, premium now in the NFL, so um, they need cornerbacks in the NFL. The way the game is played, and uh, with that position, it's a tough position to play, especially with the rules the way they are. Um, you just got to tell these guys to keep their heads down, stay focused, work on your technique. Um, you know, because the average, I think, is like two and a half, three years to last in the NFL. So you want to try to stay in as long as possible and, and learn as many positions as you can. Uh, you may go in as an All-American from college, but when you get to the pros, man, you're going to be on special teams. Go, you know, going down on punt team, kickoff team. Uh, shoot, even one time I even offered to – to hold on field goals and uh, long snap to Jeff Eagles back in the day. So I was just trying to do whatever to get on the field. Mark McMillan's with us. Um, one more thing on the cornerbacks and defensive backs. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to pay attention much to what UNLV did in the middle signing period. Technically, this is the late signing period, but they have added five. They've added five defensive backs, uh, including a former safety starter from Arizona. They've added five cornerbacks to the room. The competition of cornerbacks is going to be crazy. I think eventually they want to play more of a 3-3-5. This Barry Odom defense is going to be really interesting and very much leaning on the work of, you know, big safeties who are versatile and lots of cover corners. Yeah, you know, that, that's big. I think they even got a, a commitment from a LSU transfer as well. They did, yeah. Uh, so. It's, uh, it, it, it's good, though. You know, uh, obviously, Arroyo was trying to do the same thing. Uh, the competition was, was thick, but injuries plagued them later on in the season. So I'm sure they probably looked at that. Uh, you know, so you've got to be healthy down the long run, and you've got to have guys that can cover and guys that can tackle. Uh, we saw that last year. You know, they had trouble tackling a little bit in the secondary, but when you have a crowded room like that, man, you've you got to step up your game. And, you know, what he's, what he's doing, he's, you know, he's creating competition. And, you know, you look at the Power 5 schools, those guys are three or four deep. Uh, you know, if he can get that here, um, have that competition, 
uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, I'm a defensive guy, so you know I'll be out there probably in the in the 110 degree heat checking out the DBs. There you go. Uh, going back to last week with the championship games, do you have any problem at the end of the game with some of the calls that ultimately went against the Bengals? Um, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people were, uh, you know, taking memes and putting the uh, Patrick Mahomes jersey on the referees. Um, you know, <laughs> there were some, some calls uh, that could have went both ways on, on both teams. But um, I, I think the key fumble, that fumble, man, with the uh, Bengals going in, you know, that cost them big time. And obviously uh, you add on 15 extra yards with the late hit and uh, out of bounds. You know, you just can't have those kind of penalties. And, you know, when you have a high-state game like that, uh, you know, calls can go either way. Um, I'm sure Cincinnati uh, wish they can have some plays back, but, you know, that's just the way it is. And now we have the Eagles and the, uh, and the, and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Where do you stand on the concept of officials shouldn't decide a game? Like, as a former player, if you're on the other side, if there's a penalty committed that, like, is a penalty, you want that call, do you not? Yeah, you know, as a player, you know, I don't care what how much time is left in the game. It's not basketball where you're like, well, you don't call that in basketball with one second on the clock. In football, you make those calls. Um, you know, it's a violent physical game. Uh, you can literally call holding on every single play in the trenches. Uh, so when you see a call, you just got to make that call. You just got to live with it. Uh, I've been on the other end of some really bad calls uh, from officials, and, you know, it sucks. But, uh, you know, you just got to move on and, put your head down. I know it's going to the Super Bowl, so I don't know how I would have handled that, you know, because, you know, I, I never went to the Super Bowl, but in playoff games, I said some stuff to the referees that I probably should have said. <laughs> is your steak well done now, or do you take it off? Oh, the steak is off, man. Once the dog got, got close, Steve, I have to take the steak off, man. I have to make sure I get you guys your, your just due on the interview. Uh, uh, now my dog is looking at me like, man, I think it's rested enough. I think you can cut it now. Uh, uh, nice. Yeah, I was I was worried. I um, on the flip side because I'm not you, so I don't know how to cook. I tried to <laughs> air fry, like uh, heat up a waffle. I, I burnt the hell oh. out of it. I blew it. I couldn't it, even do that. I got distracted. Man, between you and Adam, man, we got to do know. a cooking class hey. sooner or later, man. You guys be be uh, making up some interesting uh, things. I never tried a waffle in the air fryer. Just put it in the toaster, Steve. It's okay. I know. I should have done that. You can't microwave it though; it gets all soggy. <laughs> Mark, next time you uh, next time you see your boy, uh, your boy Gordon, let him know that I've been making his scrambled eggs. Oh, it's it's great. It's beautiful. A little. What, what does he do with the scrambled eggs? Well, you you put the as he puts it a knob. You put a knob of butter in there with the egg. Then you turn on the heat. You mix it constantly. Kind of mix it all together. Some differences. Yeah. Heat on. You know, no heat. Heat. No heat. Heat. Really? Kind of let the egg cook by itself. The pan, as he says, it's got the heat in there already. A little bit of creme fraiche. Some green onion. It's great. You sound like him, man. You sound like him. And, and, and shout out to my guy Gordon Ramsay, man. He gifted uh, each cast member with a amazing set of hex pod pans, which is like the Rolls Royce of pans. So every uh, member on the Next Level Chef, all eighteen members, uh, we got gifted a wow. this set is probably wow. a couple of thousand. And so shout out to Gordon Ramsay and the Next Level Chef uh, team for gifting us with these Rolls Royce pans. So I can't wait for you guys to see them, man. They they special. I would love to be yelled at by Gordon Ramsay. It'd be great. <laughs> you say that now. Until <laughs> <in> your- <laughs> there you go. All right, Mark. We'll uh, we'll, we'll uh, get a hold of you over the weekend, not for the show, but you know, figure out what's going on for uh, Radio Row. Like you said, we want you down there doing some of the coverage with us in Phoenix, and you have a house down there. So I'll see you soon. All right, man. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, keep up the good work and keep scrambling those eggs, and make sure you stir the risotto, baby. You got to stir the risotto, like Gordon says. 
Thanks, Mark. All right, fellow. Yeah, I saw, I saw someone doing a, a TikTok uh, review of some L.A. restaurants, and one of the things they mentioned was one place. It was actually celebrity restaurants, you know, celebrity-owned, and they were kind of killing most of them. It was very average, but I forget whose restaurant it was, but they were like, ah, the risotto, very watery. It's actually, as Gordon says, a risotto. Okay. Yeah. My, my bad. Yeah. My bad. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, they are doing a big game party down here. Uh, one of their specials is uh, drink all you want, but you got to get a reservation soon. It's Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar here at Treasure Island. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. In just a little bit, we're going to get you ready for the UNLV game tonight. Across town, we're here at Treasure Island over at the Thomas & Mack. Tickets still available, UNLVtickets.com. Fresno State is in town, and you got time. It's mm-hmm. an 8 o'clock start. So I saw a story this morning, and I don't know that the coach in this situation processed what she was saying and how people may read it. And maybe I'm the only one who read it this way, but Carol Lawson, you know, former great player in the uh, college ranks and uh, WNDA and also an analyst for a long time on ESPN, she's coaching Duke. And apparently they made a mistake with the game ball in the Duke-Pittsburgh game. They use the men's ball versus the women's ball. And let me get the team right. It was against Florida State, right? Right, yeah. Okay. Florida State is the And then she made the comment after Ab- the Pittsburgh game. Yeah. Uh, listen to Carol Lawson here talk about this. This would never happen in a men's game. This would never happen. This just wouldn't happen. And it's embarrassing for our sport. And to have a game that at the end of the season could, could be the difference between a seed, between a title, my players don't deserve that, and neither do their players. It's a complete failure. And you can figure out who the people I'm talking about that failed. The sport and our players and both teams. Okay, I'm guessing, what, Florida State? I, would, conference? Ass- I would assume. Okay. Um, a, the issue of faulty equipment in a game is a big one. And like she said, it's important. you got to have the right equipment. The evidence was there because as they're playing the game in the first half, the Duke players are like, yeah, this basketball, I don't, you know, I don't like this basketball. And that, but actually, it does happen in men's games sometimes, but a, a lot of times it's, you know, the, a new ball. Um, right. And I don't mean like brand new out of the box. Like they've had some changes in the ball. And like last year, uh, I think it was last year, they started with a sensor in the ball. Mm-hmm. And there was a dead spot. So, you know, you got to fix stuff like that. But from a evidence standpoint that it affected the women, they had the stats in the first half. Duke went 7 of 34 playing with the men's ball instead of the women's. Second half, they went 12 of 38. Florida State, same thing, better in the second half. Let's come out of the gates mentioning this. Does most of our audience know that they use a different ball for women's basketball? Most of the audience? I feel like it's not common knowledge. Because I've always thought it really curious when they do that that college event, college basketball event, and it's a skills challenge at the Final Four, right? Some gym in the town, and they're like, oh, the women! Better three-point shooters! And I've always sat there, and I'm like, the ball's smaller. Right. Are we we not going to talk about that? So, calling this out, 
I mean, obviously, there's going to be guys who hate female athletes to begin with, so this is the, their red meat. But when I, when I heard her say this, I'm like, I don't even know that I would have lodged the complaint publicly because then I start thinking, like, why, why is the ball smaller? Right. And the, the comeback would be, well, women are generally smaller. Hand size generally smaller. The, the, but that does mean the game is different. It is. Yeah. You're shooting a different ball. The rim is the same. Would, would women argue with that? I don't know, man. I don't know. Should I tell should I tell an old guy story and people are gonna laugh about it and go, You're a clown. Why are you clowning on, on the women here? I'm not clowning on the women. But if you've ever had a chance to shoot the women's ball versus the men's ball, it's a massive difference. Mm-hmm. So I get her point. Like it is a massive difference. So I'm not gonna say I did or I didn't. I did. But you know, back in school. We used to get a chance to play against the, the women's basketball team. We would scrimmage them because the coach then recognized that, hey, let's, let's bring in some guys. And I'm, I'm, this is not me, right? But, you know, the guys are going to be a little bit bigger, stronger, a little more physical, right? And so we practice with them every once in a while. But the other cool thing I got a chance to do is we actually put together a media team uh, and played at the regular arena against the legends of women's basketball at that school. And we played with the women's ball. It made a difference. All right. That's all I'll say. It's a big difference. Yeah, so, I don't. I don't. But, but but she she has a right to be mad. Um, I don't think this would happen with the men's game. I am shocked that they couldn't tell, because I can tell immediately the difference. Immediately. How how, how do players not know? Right. Well, see, I, I yeah, I think there's a couple things. I, I think one, her rage. I would say is an outward admittance of, like, this is different. We can't get this wrong. I don't really understand the whole concept of this would never happen in a men's game. Like, I, I guess, like, there's a lot of things that happen in women's sports, right? Like, we had it happen here in Las Vegas with the tournament. There's a lot of things that happen in women's sports that wouldn't happen ter- in a men's Terrible tournament. setup with not right. the proper medical attention, medical staffing on scene. That would never happen in men's games. Like, those Probably things, not. she's absolutely right. Yep. But, like, equipment failure, like, I would think that that would happen every once in a while. I also think she's outwardly admitting, like, hey, this is different because, look, like, this is important. This could be an important game for us, yeah. and this ball is ridiculous. But I'm with you also. I mean, clearly they did notice there was a difference. If there was complaints throughout the game, like, wouldn't you stop and ask? Like, wouldn't you force a stoppage and be like, look, there's something wrong with this equipment. Like, we need to fix this. I mean, to get it really simple, if, if you've played pickup ball over the years, there usually is an argument at some point about the ball. Like, why are we playing with this piece of crap? Right. Get that other one in here. Like, Players are really particular on the basketball. You can tell. The one that's really, like way too smooth, that's been used too much. Too bouncy, like, uh, yep. too soft. I mean, I, think things, I actually player. think things like this kind of – I think you, there's probably more games than you think where the rim's a little bit off. Oh, yeah. In terms of height. Absolutely. Boy, the ball, though, how they, that is a pretty big screw-up, and especially since there is a big difference. Like, when you read it, I don't even know what the exact details are. What did it say? It's one – it's uh, – it's one inch smaller than the men's ball, and two typically ounces. two ounces lighter. Yeah, I what when I pick up a women's ball and start shooting, I, it feels like a volleyball to me. Well, and that's the, especially so, and that's for somebody you like. You like basketball. You played basketball in your time, but like as not, not and I'm going to say again, not at a high level. No, I, but if you play you play enough and you shoot both balls, you can tell the difference. Right. So what, no, but my, my argument is going to be is like so. Imagine what that difference is like for somebody who picks that ball up every single day, plays with it every single day of their walking, breathing lives, I would think that you would make a big fuss of it and stop that game immediately and try to make a difference. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. 
Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Well, I hate telling, you know, old sports stories like, you know, intramural type stuff because I think people can take it the wrong way. You remember um, who's the who's the super loudmouth who's on with Michael K? Uh, the guy who always yells all the time. Is it LaGreca? Oh, yeah. And he had a, he had an exchange a few years ago. First of all, he flipped out one time about uh, analytics and the, he just kept saying the Pythagorean theorem over and over again. But then he also flipped out one time on a caller because he's like, I play tight end to Don Marsco. You're like, dude, don't bring up your high school. High school. Stop. I played Stop. tight end at Don So Bosco. I was just man, I was not trying to hilarious. I was not trying to diss women's basketball at all. Um, you know, That's especially awesome. our team here in town, the Lady Rebels are ridiculous. Um, I was a little shocked that they just destroyed New Mexico on the road because that's a good crowd and a tough place at the pit. And 22-2 and two now, they beat them 93-75. So. so, please, when I – the next game I go out to call, I don't, you know, I don't need Desiree Young, like, elbowing me in the face or something. You've or, explained yourself. I, I've tried. Because I, I hate – I hate schmoes who do sports talk radio and try to talk about some exploits of their past 30 years ago when they were never good. You were never good. You're not good now. Stop blowing up. What? To stop, please. Also, clarify: you don't hate the schmo. You hate schmoes. So the Rebels play. Runner Rebels play tonight. I was trying to process all that. They play Fresno State. Might be a hardcore reference for Fresno. Really beat them up. Got physical with them. They dragged uh, some of the bigs out to deeper waters on the perimeter, like Keyshawn Hall. They got him isoed. With Isaiah Hill, their point guard. Isaiah Hill went for a, a career-high 28 points. Fresno was always a pain in the ass for the Rebels because mm-hmm. they play a pressing style. They're usually big and strong. They generally can't shoot, but for some reason, they seem to have pretty good offensive nights against the Rebels, and UNLV just wasn't in, in a lot of that game. They couldn't get it going, so I expect them to be really focused tonight. I expect them to win, but I don't think it'll be easy. Uh, no. Do you have the number? I, last night it was 9.5. Uh, I'll get it for you right now because I was just going to say to your point, um, Fresno's offense has hit. I don't know. Is there something worse than the tank in conference play? They're bad. It's unreal. They're they're incredibly bad, and it's so it's weird too because when you look at what their games have been, UNLV's nine right now. Consensus total is up to one thirty two, um, but when you look at the way their games have like played out, you like you'd very much make the argument that that game against UNLV was like an aberration. Like, for, for Fresno State to shoot the way they did, as you mentioned, in that game, like, that seems like when you look at the games around it, when you're talking about 2 of 15 the game before against Air Force, following it up with a 2 of 25 performance against Boise State, 7 of 23 against Utah State, 7 of 25 against Wyoming. Like, it seemed like that was one of those nights where hot shooting just got you. I'm sorry, in the midst of that, did you mention what they shot against UNLV from 3? 16 to 20. No, no, excuse me. Oh, uh, three. 9 of 19. 47.4%. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a shot. There were a couple shots in that game. Um, Eduardo Andre is a backup big, and he threw, like, a lefty turnaround hook yep. off the glass. It was like, wow. And then Jordan Campbell's a guy. I mean, you can look up the numbers. I think at the time he was shooting, like, 21% from three, and he made a pull-up three at a key moment with, like, four minutes left. And you're just like, hey, man, some nights it's not your night. But I'm telling you, Isaiah Hill, he's not Isaiah Stevens from Colorado State. Isaiah Hill has to be defended because he's a giant pain in the ass, and he really understands the game. Mm-hmm. So on that pick stuff, he can eat him up, so they got to get better at that. Oh, they do, absolutely. But I like when you're looking at it, like you said, their offensive rating in conference play at Fresno State is 94.4. That is abysmal. 
for a, for a college basketball team. In like one, it's last in the Mountain West, and for the season, they're 209th in the country or 279th, excuse me, in terms of the way they play. And they don't play an attractive style either. Like it's a super slow plotting style of offense that's Ooh. not overly efficient. Big game coming up, biggest game of the year in the Mountain West Conference. Boise State and San Diego State are tied for first. They haven't played against each other. They play twice in February. The first game is tonight at San Diego State. The number, I think I played Boise plus six and a half, but it was very much a, a pizza bet, and I was treading lightly because this is something I mentioned early in the week. San Diego State and Boise State are off to really good starts. Neither one of them have really had major injuries. Marcus Shaver, the point guard for Boise, struggled a bit at the beginning of the year because he was hurt. He got hurt again the other night. Last night it was six and a half. You got the number? Uh, I saw six. six. I saw six and a half in front of me. Ooh, six. six well, and a half. it just came down a minute and forty-eight seconds ago that Marcus Shaver is in a boot, oh. will not play. Najee Smith, who also got hurt, he is going to play. But Let's see if I can get in this. Boise has had no injuries aside from Shaver. They also don't go very deep. So I think this number. I'm not saying it's going to jump to ten, but it could jump like a point, a half point. So keep an eye on that one. See, but I like both teams. I actually like Boise a little more than San Diego State in terms of consistency, and that game's coming up here in about 15 minutes. I'm trying to get to, uh, I'm trying to get to that game on my app so I can bet it. FS1 doubleheader, <laughs> Boise, San Diego State, and then Fresno, right here in town against UNLV. Tim Neverett on the call with Richie Schuler. So Tim used to be a big part of Lotus, and now he's with the Dodgers. He worked for the Red Sox and the Pirates, and he's a longtime voice of the Mountain West Conference. So good stuff. Hey, Danny, can you dig up a bite? We uh, we didn't get to play it earlier, and I forgot to uh, remind you. Do you have our uh, CSU MWCT bite or whatever you labeled it? Can you play that? This I thought this was interesting. Uh, you know, when the game the other night for the Rebels was a blowout against Colorado State, then you start doing sports talk during the game, and the play-by-play announcer mentioned something about UNLV that I thought was interesting, and then also the rest of the conference and just how pretty much over. Top five are all set. Now it's a UNLV team if they want to make the NCAA tournament is going to have to win four games at the Thomas Mack Center in March. And looks like the top five pretty much are set. I know we still have nine games to go and a lot can happen. Okay, you just you said it at the end. Brian Roth's very good. But I keep hearing this the la- like the last week or so that the teams at the top, like you missed it the other day. I, I keep seeing five teams are going to make it from the Mountain West Conference. Nope. This this conference is going to brutalize itself, right? Also, I mean, I mean, look, I don't know how good some of the strength, like in terms of like resumes, this is going to be for some of these teams. Well, well. the net numbers are good now, but you yeah. start losing games, you lose games to bad teams. Even when you win games against Fresno or Wyoming yep. or Air Force, that doesn't help you. You no. have to you have to win it, but it doesn't boost you. So my guess is the other day the top five teams were between net ranking 20 down to 38. By the time the tournament, the NCAA tournament comes around, those teams are probably going to be 32 to 55. Correct. If not lower. Five teams are not making it. And the thought is, and that's what these guys were saying on the CSU broadcast, that I I think the thought is like, hey, they're not going to lose to anyone who's in the middle of the conference. And by the way, UNLV has to play unbelievable basketball to get off the, the Wednesday. Right. But they can do it. Of course they can. New Mexico's starting to fall back to the pack. New Mexico's six and four in conference. The Rebels are four and six. Right. I mean, could both teams finish nine and nine? Probably. Uh, could, could could Nevada fall back? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, there's also like just pain in the like pain in the butt programs like like a San Jose State, like New Mexico still has a matchup left with them. That's not one that's going to go away lightly as you move down the schedule. Generally, kids don't stay super focused. They're kids, right. so there's ups and downs. You see the record of other teams, and you go on the road, and you're like San Jose. Then you walk into San Jose, and you're like, there's 102 people here, and you can lose your focus. Yep. Air Force is a nightmare. They used to be the complaint for TCU back when they were in the Mountain West, right? You'd yeah. go to TCU to play basketball, and, like, the environment, you could hear a pin drop. Hello, hello. Right. Hello. It'd be, it's the quietest room in the world. All right. Yep. Speaking of, get in the bag. Oh, no. Stick uh, your hand in there, Dave. There it is. Okay, you got the email. That was included. The quietest room in the world. Is this a real thing? Apparently it is. It's been there since 2015. Um, it's in Redmond, Washington. Microsoft built it. It's in um, anti-echoic, I think is the actual way you, uh, you term it. It actually comes in at a reading of negative 20.35 decibels. What does that mean? So, like, I, I don't even know how to put it. Like, it's, it's super quiet. Put it that way. The non-scientific way. To the point where only few people have been able to reportedly withstand being in the room for more than an hour. So just sitting there drives you crazy? So after a few minutes, you already start to hear your own heartbeat. After another minutes, a few minutes after that, you can hear your bones grinding and your blood flowing. Your bones grinding? You're right. sitting. How are your bones grinding? <laughs> Dude, who knows? That sounds terrifying, by the way. I don't know if I'd be able to hear that. I don't know if I'd be able to hear that at all. You can hear, as they put it, the endless sounds of your own body with no sounds coming in. Apparently, when you turn your head, you can hear that motion. Mm. You can hear yourself breathing, and it sounds loud, according to the principal designer of the chamber. Let me see. I'm trying to find the next one that they had here. There's another ridiculous thing that you could hear. I can't find it. It sounds terrifying. I wouldn't be able to do it. Your bones grinding? Apparently, it gets so quiet that eventually it actually just turns into a massive ringing that people can barely stand. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why does this room exist? Who knows? It just set a world record. There's actually another one being built. <laughs> yeah. So this one is in Washington. The next one is being built in Minnesota. I'm in. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So we're getting a look at the NHL skills competition. They're doing a competition where they're on a golf course, hockey stick, hockey puck, shooting at what looks like the approach on a par four. You have to clear the lake with a hockey stick and your puck. Right. And it's actually, it's basically like a chip shot. Is that a real puck, too? It looks kind of light. I don't know, but he, he cleared it. Did you see anything in the NFL skills competition that you thought was awesome? No, I mean, I saw a little bit. I didn't really watch, to be honest with you. Like, I saw Geno Smith's performance and him hitting the drone. Like, I like that sort of stuff. I also like it when quarterbacks clearly have been out there enjoying their time wherever they're at and, like, are just completely off their game and can't hit, like, the broadside of a barn. I think those performances are critical as people are like, oh, he stinks. Like, no, he's been hanging out and doing whatever he wants. Yes. Like, I don't think he's terrible. Also, I think he's been having a good time. Fans take for granted what goes on on the football field and how hard it is oh. to be super accurate with people flying at you, defenses changing. Oh, yeah. It is hard, man. What, what quarterbacks do in the National Football League is incredible. Just a little bit. Yes. So sorry if, you know, one random pro bowler, who probably shouldn't be there because he's not really a pro bowler, having a tough time in a skills challenge because he went out the night before. Oh, these guys are all good. 
Johnny Gaudreau just made the green with a hockey puck. Making it look easy. They're all in golf out, like golf they, attire, they too. Are, yeah, they but, got, but, they gloves. Have, but they have the hockey gloves on and the stick. But that's awesome. Flipping the puck in the air and whatever that is. 75 yards, something like whatever, 60 yards. Got to account for wind, too. Generally something you don't have to account <laughs> for if you're a hockey player. Do you? With a hockey puck, you don't think it slices right through the wind? I feel like you got to do a little bit, right? Uh, maybe you don't, I guess. Oh, Suzuki. There you go. Vegas Former Golden, Golden Knight. Knight right, yeah. Yeah. Say it again. Vegas Golden Knight, great. Uh-oh. He got it. I keep thinking they're going to Wow, that's a good one. He actually might have the, the best water. one. Boy, these guys are good. Real good. All right, back to the top story. Before we get out of here, back to the uh, top story of the day. So what's the timetable here, John? You said it's going to be really interesting the next three or four days with the uh, news that we started the show with. Kyrie Irving, believe it or not, folks, is now demanding a trade from the Nets. Everyone believes that, of course, because right. you know, every day is different with him. So what's going to happen? Is there going to be a rush here by the organization to go, all right, we're out. I mean, we're out. Let's move them, and you know what? Let's take tar- uh, let's start taking offers on Kevin Durant. I mean, there has to be. The trade deadline's next Thursday. So if you're going to get this done, you got to do it, and you got to decide quick if you're going to be an organization that's going to hit the big red button and fire sale everybody. I think they should. You don't think with the team right now they can compete to make it out of the East? I just think that with the way the East is constructed and where Kevin Durant's price is at this point, it's so high. Why not just, just push the button and get this over with? I just don't feel like they're going to get a fair deal. Right, and you're not going to get anything back that would make your team better without Kyrie Irving. And who knows if you don't trade him, is he even going to play for you? Thanks to the uh, Golden Circle for housing the show today. Come on down tonight, really any day of the week. they got the betting kiosk. The book is open right now. You can place your bets. and 55-plus TVs, great memorabilia, awesome menu, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island.